Welcome to the Bible in the News. A new wave of terror has hit Israeli cities once again as a stabbing campaign has spread across the region. The BBC News reported there have been near daily stabbings by Palestinians of Israelis this month. Seven Israelis have been killed and dozens wounded in the stabbing and some gun attacks, end quote. Victims have ranged from a child of 13 leaving a candy store through a 70-year-old woman. The perpetrators have included children as young as 13 and 15. And in an incredible twist, Israel is being blamed for the stabbings. Haaretz reported Jordan's ambassador to the UN, Dinara Kawar, said that Israel is responsible for the escalation in Jerusalem, adding that Israel must keep the status quo and desist from any actions to divide the Al-Aqsa Mosque. The Al-Aqsa Mosque is a red line which mustn't be crossed and cannot be defiled, she said. We reserve the, all the diplomatic and legal options to defend the holy sites in Jerusalem, end quote. Well, the Times of Israel reported the UN's Assistant Secretary General criticizing Israel's response in an emergency session. It reads, Zeruhan criticized what he called Israel's apparent heavy-handed use of force in dealing with Palestinian violence and said Israel's actions raised serious questions about the proportionality of the response. Well, Israel's audacious move to defend its citizens from knife-wielding terrorists has sparked rebuke from the United Nations. This is the most obscene twist in events, yet all commonplace in today's world. We read, Israel's recently installed ambassador to the United Nations, Danny Danon, stated, Israelis are being stabbed, bombed, run over, and stoned, yet this council remains silent, the Times of Israel reported. Sky News reported Danny Danon's appearance in the UN and stated he held up a picture and said, We talk about a lot of incitement. Here you see what the Palestinian incitement looks like. The picture is being taught in middle schools, in high schools, in elementary schools. Instead of educating about peace and tolerance, the Palestinian leadership is brainwashing children with incitement and hate. Palestinian leaders have established an incubator to raise children as terrorists. End quote. The picture he is holding is of instructions on how to knife Jewish people. But instead of condemning Abbas's supporting violence, the UN keeps giving his government international airtime. Questioned by a BBC reporter, Israel's Minister of Education, Naftali Bennett, stated the following when challenged to open negotiations with Abbas. Mahmoud Abbas, the president of the PA, has to stop inciting. This guy's responsible for the murder, the wave of murder that's going on in the streets of Israel. Just about 10 days ago, he called upon Muslims to prevent Jews from going up to Temple Mount with their filthy feet, I quote, I quote him. So as long as he incites his own people to murder Jews, um, I don't see what we can talk to him about. Just two days ago, he uh, accused Israel with a new blood libel, telling us that there's a, a young Palestinian who's innocent and dead. Well, he's neither innocent nor dead. We're talking about a terrorist who almost stabbed to death a Jewish boy of 13-year-old Jewish boy who's now struggling for his life, and he's 
the, the um, murderer or the terrorist is now alive in an Israeli hospital just 10 minutes from here. So this is the same Mahmoud Abbas with blood libels and incitement. Uh, first, he needs to immediately seize his incitement and then we can uh, talk to him. When asked by the BBC if he would talk to Abbas, he stated, Would anyone uh, talk to ISIS? Would anyone talk to bin Laden? We've got a murderous well, regime who's trying to kill as many not, Jews not, as not possible right now. And, and the, 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 I think it's exactly the same. I think if you'd have people running around the streets of London, uh, stabbing uh, uh, dozens and hundreds of uh, British uh, citizens, you wouldn't be talking to them. You'd be fighting them and defending yourself. And that's exactly what Israel's doing right now. He was then challenged that Israel was trying to change the status quo of the Temple Mount, and he responded, There's been absolutely no change. Let me give you the facts. Over the past uh, year, three and a half million Muslims have uh, visited the Temple Mount and only 12,000 Jews. There's a status quo. We're not attempting to change it. This is yet another blatant lie of Abu Mazen. And what we see is that when Israel runs a holy place, we keep it safe. Whereas the Palestinians just last night they burnt a shrine in Nablus, uh, the tomb of Joseph, which is a Jewish shrine. They burnt it. Th this is what happens when you hand them place. Israel allows Christians, Muslims, and Jews to visit Temple Mount. The solution being suggested by the Palestinian Authority and supported by France is international intervention in Jerusalem. The Palestinian ambassador to the United Nations, Riyad Mansour, has called for a Security Council to intervene and put an end to the Israeli acts of aggression in the occupied territories. He stated, We come to you today asking the Council to urgently intervene and to end this aggression against our defenseless Palestinian people and against our shrines which are subjected to violations by the Israeli military occupation and by Israeli settlers and by extremists. End quote. In response, France is pushing for international forces to take control of the Temple Mount. The Israeli newspaper Haratz reported France is, pu is pushing for the publication of a presidential statement on behalf of the UN Security Council that calls for the deployment of international observers to Jerusalem's holy sites, notably the Temple Mount, to ensure the status quo is maintained after recent violations. Le Figaro newspaper reported, citing French diplomats, end quote. Well, all the rhetoric about Israel not protecting holy sites comes as the Washington Post reported acts of violence and vandalism by Palestinian youth. We read Palestinians set fire to a Jewish holy shrine in the West Bank on Friday morning and clashes between Palestinians and the Israeli military flared throughout the day after a militant Islamist group, Hamas, called for a day of rage, end quote. Israeli Deputy Ambassador David Rowat rejected Palestinian calls for a protection force to be deployed to the Temple Mount. He said, let me be crystal clear, Israel will not agree to any international presence on the Temple Mount. Such a presence would be a change in the status quo, end quote. Well, the seemingly insane idea of solving the problem by internationalizing Jerusalem has deep roots, and it began with the Vatican. Theodore Herzl visited Pope Pius X in 1904 when he was seeking Vatican endorsement of a Jewish state. 
The Pope rejected his plea, and he recorded the Pope's words in his diary. He wrote, We cannot give approval to this movement. We cannot prevent the Jews from going to Jerusalem, but we could never sanction it. The soil of Jerusalem, if it is not always sacred, has been sanctified by the life of Jesus Christ. As the head of the church, I cannot tell you anything different. The Jews have not recognized our Lord, therefore we cannot recognize the Jewish people. End quote. He came to the custody of the holy sites, and Herzl records the Pope's statement, who said, I know it is not pleasant to see the Turks in possession of our holy places. We simply have to put up with that. But to support the Jews in acquisition of the holy places, we cannot do that. End quote. Not much has changed since that time. In fact, Cardinal Pacelli, who signed the Concordant with Nazi Germany on behalf of the Vatican, became Pope Pius XII. He published a papal encyclical entitled Multiplicibus Curis on October 24, 1948, in which he stated, The value that the holy places have for so great a part of the human family will strengthen the conviction in the high quarters in which the problems of peace are discussed that it would be opportune to give Jerusalem and its outskirts, where are favorable so many and precious memories of the life and death of the Savior, an international character which, in the present circumstances, seems to, be, seems to offer a better guarantee for the protection of the sanctuaries. It would also be necessary to assure with international guarantees both free access to holy places scattered throughout Palestine and freedom of worship and the respectful, a respect of customs and religious traditions, end quote. Well, this was reiterated in his Easter encyclical the following year entitled Redemptoris Nostri Cruciatus, published April 15, 1949, where he stated, The time has come when Jerusalem and its vicinity should be accorded the legally guaranteed and international status, which in the present circumstances seems to offer the best and most satisfactory protection for the sacred monuments. And he encouraged Catholics to use every legitimate means to persuade the rulers of nations and those whose duty it is to settle this important question to accord Jerusalem and its surroundings a juridical status whose stability under the present circumstances can only be adequately assured by a united effort of nations that love peace and respect the right of others. Besides, it is of the utmost importance that due immunity and protection be guaranteed to all the holy places of Palestine, not only in Jerusalem, but also in the other cities and villages as well. End quote. Well, in an article entitled The Holy See and the Post-War Palestine Issue, The Internationalization of Jerusalem and the Protection of the Holy Places, reporter Silvio Ferrari wrote, the attitude taken by the Vatican on the Palestinian issue at the end of the Second World War was unequivocally and succinctly stated in the summer of 1949 by John Victor Perone, the British plenipotentiary minister at the Holy See. The Vatican, he said, would have preferred, from the point of view of the fate of the holy places and Catholic interests in Palestine generally, that neither the Jews nor Arabs, but a third power, should have control in the Holy Land. Such a solution is, it well knew, however, was unattainable, and in the actual circumstances it preferred the Arabs to the Jews. End quote. 
So we see this game has been afoot since before Israel was even a nation. And France has taken up the Pope's message, as Haaretz reported this week. France's ambassador, Francois Delatre, said his country prepared a draft of a presidential statement by the Security Council, which stressed the need to safeguard Jerusalem's holy sites and maintain the status quo on the Temple Mount. He said the international community must exert pressure to resume serious talks between Israel and the Palestinians. But what is of great significance to Bible students is what the Bible prophecy indicates is the impetus which draws the nations against Israel in the time of the end. Zechariah describes the invasion and makes specific mention of Jerusalem as the target. We read in Zechariah 12 verses 1 to 2, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoils shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, the city shall be taken, the houses rifled, the women ravished, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. This description of the terrible time coming for Israel is not without hope. For God indicates that it is at this time that he will visibly intervene in the crisis as he did in biblical times. Joel indicates God's controversy with the nations is what they do in Jerusalem. We read in Joel 3 verses 1 to 2, For behold, in those days and in that time, when I shall gather again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem, which is Jerusalem and the West Bank as it's called, or Judea and Samaria, I will also gather all nations which will bring and will bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat and will plead with them there or judge them there for my people and for my heritage Israel whom they have scattered amongst the nations and parted my land. Well we read here they parted my land. The Hebrew word is shalak or kalak which is defined as to divide, to share, to plunder, a portion, a lot to distribute. So the goal of the nations is to portion out Jerusalem amongst themselves. And God has spoken about the perpetual hate of the nations against Israel from time immemorial. Speaking of Mount Seir, the capital of Edom, which typifies the anti-Israel spirit of the nations today, he states in Ezekiel 35 verses 3 to 5, and say unto it, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O Mount Seir, I am against thee, and I will stretch out my hand against thee, and I will make thee desolate, and I will lay thy cities waste, and thou shalt be desolate, and thou shalt know that I am the Lord. Why? Because thou hast a perpetual hatred, and hast shed the blood of the children of Israel by the force of the sword in the time of their calamity, in the time that their iniquity had an end. End quote. This perpetual hatred is mixed with the desire for the holy places. For we read in chapter 36, in verses 1 to 2, Also thou son of man, prophesy against the mountains of Israel, what the world calls the West Bank, and say, Ye mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God, Because the enemy hath said against you, Aha, even the ancient high places are our in possession, then he goes on to talk about its destruction, or the destruction of the nations. So we read here, the ancient places are the places of worship in the land of Israel, which today are polluted with all kinds of churches and mosques. The nations want these for themselves, 
as they believe they are rightful owners of them, especially the Vatican, the false prophet, its supporter, the European Union, the beast, and the Russians, the dragon. It will be the policy of these three that bring the nations against Jerusalem, as we read in Revelation 16, verses 13 to 16. I saw three unclean spirits like frogs, or teachings, that came out of the mouth of the dragon, Russia, out of the mouth of the beast, Europe, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, the Vatican. What do they do? They go forth to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. Well, Daniel clearly reveals the desire of the king of the north, the northern confederacy, the papacy, the man of sin, to plant themselves on the temple mount. We read in Daniel 11 verse 45, He shall plant the tabernacles of his palace between the seas in the glorious holy mountain. Yet he shall come to his end and none shall help him. So never mind their plans, God knows what's in their hearts. He says in Micah chapter 4, verses 11 to 12, Now also many nations are gathered against thee, and say, Let her be defiled, and let our eye look upon Zion. But they know not the thoughts of the Lord, neither understand they his counsel. God isn't going to allow the nations to succeed. All those who come to Jerusalem to battle will be destroyed. Because he goes on to say in Zechariah 12, verses 2 to 3, Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling, and to all people round about, when they shall be in siege, both against Judah and against Jerusalem. And in that day will I make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people. All that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces, though all the people of the earth be gathered against her, together against it. End quote. He is going to resurrect the nation of Israel, under the direction of Messiah, breathing his spirit word into them. For we read in Ezekiel 37, verse 9 to 10, Then said he unto me, Prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, O son of man, and say unto the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come thou from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceeding great army. With that army, God is going to destroy the nations who gather themselves to divide Jerusalem amongst themselves like the threshing of wheat on the floor, and Israel will be the tool that he uses to do this. Because he continues in Micah chapter 4, verses 11 to 13, He shall gather them, that's the nations, as the sheaves into the floor. His instruction to Israel, Arise and thresh, O daughter of Zion, for I will make thine horn iron, and I will make thy hoofs brass, and thou shalt beat many people, beat in pieces many people, and I will consecrate their gain unto the Lord and their substance to the Lord of the whole earth. May that day come soon when God will save his people and the third temple will be built in Jerusalem, which will be a true house of prayer for all people, not some Catholic or Muslim idolatrous, idolatrous abomination standing on God's holy temple mount. As God told Solomon when he prayed to God in dedicating the first temple on the Temple Mount, I have heard thy prayer, 
and thy supplication which thou hast made before me, I have hallowed this house which thou hast built to put my name there forever, and mine eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. 1 Kings chapter 9 and verse 3. We pray that day would soon come when Israel will be rescued from the nations by their God. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Jerusalem.